Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. Show's interactive. You can call in and talk about whatever you'd like. The website's interactive. You can go over there and post whatever blog posts or stories or pictures or whatever you'd like. And people can vote them up, vote them down. It's Free Talk Live. Let's go directly to Ian, our normal first chair host. is calling in. Ian? Hey, uh, everybody. Uh, who's on the show tonight? It's uh, Mark. Jason? Oh, I pushed the wrong button. I'm sorry. And go ahead. It's Jason. Oh, excellent. Uh, I'm glad Jason's there tonight. I know that it uh, seems like he's been on Fridays. So that's one of the reasons I was calling tonight. I know I just called last night. And I certainly don't mean to uh, to be a, a chronic caller here. <laughs> but I got a, another piece of mail today that I thought was worthy of discussion. Okay. I think there's, I think there's a, a good issue here. Uh, it has to do with, uh, with our friend uh, Eddie Free. Uh, and uh, would one of you like to summarize who Eddie Free is? Oh, I'd love to. Um, actually, so I'd, in 2008, I did a dance party in Washington, D.C. that was uh, cracked down by the uh, U.S. Park Service. Uh, years later, when it has gone through the uh, the legal system, uh, the court process, a judge has ruled that it was uh, um, that you could not dance at the Jefferson Memorial. So Eddie, living in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, decides that he was going to um, dance there, and then he was joined by Adam Kokesh and about three other people. Uh, but he was inspired, actually, because he heard about the news of the judge's orders on Free Talk Live. And uh, so, But Eddie and I have become uh, friends ever, ever since that, and uh, from what I understand, he wants to move to the Shire. Yeah, in fact, he was planning on moving up, uh, as I understand it, like imin- imminently this uh, this week, but uh, there was the Jefferson Dance Party thing where he got arrested for, for dancing at the Jefferson Memorial. And then, mm-hmm. like, a week later, they had another one where uh, over, what, like, two or 300 people came out. You were there, Jason. Yeah, exactly. Right, a better estimation. Yeah, as, so as, a, that, as a response to the, uh, the choking and the body slamming that employees of the U.S. Park Service uh, did against um, uh, Adam Kokesh. But also, it should be noted that they put uh, Eddie in uh, uh, handcuffs, little zip ties, and put him on the ground, and then he got back on his feet and continued dancing. Yeah, very heroic. And the video footage is uh, is, is very amusing when uh, when he did that. And uh, so, I mean, the guy's an amazing activist, uh, no doubt about that. And of course, JeffersonDanceParty.info was uh, was I think was it his creation or yours? Um, I I think I hosted the website, but there was content from people all over the country. So um, so great activist was planning to move to New Hampshire. Sends me a letter. And by the way, just uh, for anybody that has sent me something from mailtojail.com, if you don't put your return address in, I can't write you back. So uh, Eddie has been one of the few people who has not put a return address in here. So I had no way of uh, writing him back. So that's why I'm calling tonight, but also because I think there's a good issue here uh, that I think a lot of activists uh, face, a lot of people who are planning uh, move to New Hampshire, and there are many people out there listening to the show who, you know, maybe they're going to move later this year or in 2012 or maybe a few years down the line. Uh, they face this issue of, well, you know, how active should I be where I am? And if I get into trouble doing activism where I am, how do I handle that situation? So according to Eddie, looks like they're facing a charge of trespassing for the D.C. dancing situation where he and uh, Meg and some other folks were arrested. Which one of uh, these is this? I mean, there were there were several of them. He was only arrested that one time, as okay. I understand it. Right. Meg was never arrested. That's that's correct. Good point. Yeah, there, there, were, there were five people that were arrested. Uh, Kokesh, 
uh, Jared Denman, who I have a video about on uh, Tally.tv, um, uh, Eddie Free, and then two people associated with Code Pink, um, Madrea Benjamin, uh, Medea, sorry, uh, and I did an interview with her on Tally.tv as well. So those are five people. They're all facing uh, the same court day uh, and the same, I guess the same charges, which are trespassing. Trespassing, and he says that uh, court's coming up on the 21st. He looked up the penalty, and he says if you don't pay their, uh, they get a fine uh, that they want to get out of him for this trespass charge. It's a hundred dollars, uh-huh. and he says that if he doesn't pay that fine, he may be facing 180 days in jail, six months in jail uh, for dancing at mm-hmm. the Jefferson Memorial. And wow! So a hundred dollar fine or six months in jail? I that's mean, that's correct. not really commensurate numbers. Not at all. And uh, he says he's pretty intimidated. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a broken shoulder. He's a little bit uh, concerned about having to do time in a D.C. jail. And I can't say I blame him. I, I wouldn't want to do time in a D.C. jail either. I mean, if you think about Washington, D.C., uh, one of the biggest government places in the, the entire world, uh, I can only imagine how horrific uh, their, their jail system is. And uh, so I don't blame him for being concerned about that. He says he's tried to rationalize paying them off uh, by saying to himself, just pay the 100 so I can be done with all this and hurry and move to the Shire. And he says, if I did that, I think I'd be ashamed of myself for doing so. How could I preach to others not to take a plea if I myself take a plea? Is that a plea? Hold on. Wait wait, wait a second. This $100 is a plea as opposed to going to trial or something? I'm not clear on that. He says it's a penalty for uh, – there's a fine they're assessing. Like, it's probably a civil thing where, you know, okay, you've been ticketed. You you know, here, you've been ticketed for trespassing. You pay this $100. It makes it go away. That that probably is technically a plea. Uh, so, yeah, he's probably right about that. But the issue here is, you know, well, what should somebody in Eddie's position uh, do? And I say I get the I get the principal justification. I, I get it. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I, I say. Look, I can't get on the radio talk about not taking a plea and then go and take a plea, um, but I, I moved to New Hampshire to do activism because I know that things are better here it's than they are it's more in effective other places. With, yeah. uh, with more people, it's more effective. And let, let's, remind, right. let's remind the listeners that, uh, Ian, you're calling from a jail currently. Yes. Correct. We are, yeah, we are County House of Corrections. Day, day 24 of the uh, Ian Freeman incarceration count-up. Right, but I got a uh, speeding ticket when I was down in Florida, you know, a year before I left Florida, and I paid the ticket. I, I'm not going to make a stand in Florida. That's not what my that was not my intention down right. there. What good would it have done anyway? And, and that's really what, what's this going to do in D.C. <laughs> and that's the thing is, um, I'm doing the activism that I do. I don't do for myself as much as I do it for other people because I want to create a more free, uh, a just uh, and free and moral world. And I don't think that I'm going to create it in Washington, D.C. or Florida. And I don't have – if people aren't willing to pick up and move to New Hampshire, then I'm not willing to do that for them either. So um, you know, that's, that's really my point is when it comes down to it. Yeah, if, if you want to do that activism where you are, I support you in doing it. But you know, for me, I, I don't feel any obligation to, uh, to, to do activism outside of the state of New Hampshire. I consider it enemy, enemy territory. What do you say to his concern, though, about this, you know, mental uh, issue of, uh, well, you know, I, I say not to take the plea deal. Maybe I should not take the plea deal, even though I'm here in D.C. That's that's his issue. 
life is all full of cons- uh, compromises is what I would say. I mean, the fact is we uh, all of us who believe the government is a coercive force use the roads, uh, you know, use all kinds of government service, quote unquote, services that we're forced to pay for. And we would prefer not to, you know, gov- the fact is life is full of uh, compromises. And, you know, that's that's that. Yeah, my my judgment here is a little bit uh, cloudy because I want to see Eddie in the Shire. I want to see him yeah. here sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, Henry David Thoreau went to prison uh, for not paying a poll tax, and then uh, a buddy of his uh, paid it for him and uh, he got his uh, freedom back. And uh, I, I would say uh, I don't think Eddie needs to pay the state a single dollar but I think it would be great if people wanted to uh, chip in. If like a hundred people wanted to chip in a dollar bill, and they could like write messages on it with a sharpie, and if they wanted to uh, to mail that to uh, Eddie to pay, I think that would send a strong message. Um, I have always kind of wondered about this situation. Ian has said in the past that, um, you know, he's he's said this that you know if somebody else wants to pay it i won't stop them or or something like that and as far as i'm concerned if you're willing to let somebody else pay a fine for you you should be willing to pay it yourself that doesn't make any sense to me well i don't i don't think uh eddie should be penalized for dancing at the jefferson memorial i don't think he should either so i i think uh if if a hundred people were willing to take care of that burden for him to show him that they appreciate what he did Shouldn't they stand in solidarity with him and not pay the fine like he does? I mean, if he's not willing to pay it, why should they be willing to pay it? I just don't get it. I mean, if he's if he is financially not able to come up with the money, that's one that's totally okay. Let's let's get let's get a fund together and take care of it. But it, you know, I, I don't understand. Well, it's it, about principle. Yeah, but what's the principle there? Uh, Ian, hold the line. Eight five five four five zero three seven three. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try? There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start being richer, feeling healthier, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Free shipping on orders of $60 or more. 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a single toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Check out freetalklive.com where we have the news options for you. You can go to news.freetalklive.com and you can get uh, emailed updates about the show, Twitter, Facebook, whatever way is best for you. We've got it for you. It's news.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to Ian Freeman, normal Normal first seat host here on Free Talk Live who is calling us from jail here in Keene, New Hampshire. It is day 24 of the Ian Freeman incarceration count-up and uh, could go from 60 to 90 days in there. Is that about right, Ian? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the case. I expect it to be 60 because it's a two-thirds rule here in New Hampshire. If you're a sentenced, so-called sentenced offender, as long as you're a good little boy and do as you're told, uh, you'll get out likely at uh, two-thirds of the sentence. So at some point, probably within a month uh, before that two-thirds, they should inform me for sure of my 
uh, my exit date, but hopefully it'll be early October at some point. Although I did just get off the phone with uh, Mark Stevens from uh, markstevens.net. That's Mark with a C. He's the uh, author of Adventures in Legal Land. He's talking about a habeas corpus filing, which may, uh, you know, may bump. There's a possibility I could get out sooner as a result of that, but I certainly don't have my, uh, I'm not going to get my hopes up or, or anything like don't that. Don't you have some kind but, of um, follow-up to your motion to reconsideration in also? I've asked for an explanation as to why my motion for reconsideration of a house arrest was denied, and I wanted specifically for the man in the robe to explain why it is that I was sentenced to nine days in jail with 300 days suspended for delaying a police car for five minutes when in New Hampshire... New it wasn't Hampshire, five minutes. Uh, you, you keep on saying this five minutes. You stood in front of two different police cars. You were charged in standing in front of one. Um, the one that you were charged for standing in front of, at least the one that they showed the video for, you weren't in front of that thing ten seconds before the cop was out on you. You could not have delayed this man more than 45 I was, seconds. I was behind the other car, and I was blocking the other car, and I was generally a charge of uh, obstructing government administration. That's not... But, uh, they could not back that other car out because of where I was standing. So, um, whatever, Mark, it doesn't matter. Five minutes to 90 days. That's not what the video uh, shows. Outrageous. Okay, well, I appreciate that. But I was standing there, so I was there, and I, I was there for a little while, at least three minutes, maybe five. But, gotcha. Uh, uh, anyway, well, there's my no... point being that I wanted an explanation about that as to how he justified that uh, sentence when in New Hampshire you're supposed to have sentences that are concomitant with the, with the crime. And that seems pretty, uh, pretty outrageously excessive. Yeah, there, there's no doubt that uh, Arnold gave you a, a really stiff penalty. He was trying to send a message. But sure. um, now, what is this I hear about Arnold leaving? I tried to call the Superior Court today, and they wouldn't uh, give me an answer. They told me to wait until Tuesday to talk to the clerk of the court. And then I called, yeah. I called their administrative office um, that's in charge of all the Superior Courts, and they said they know nothing about uh, Judge Arnold uh, um, retiring. Luther uh, got the clerk of court on the line a couple days ago. Uh, I had heard a rumor around the jail that uh, the judge was retiring, and so I called to have Luther call, and he did get the clerk on the phone, and she did say that he was retiring. So that's that's confirmed. Okay, we got it directly from the clerk. Yeah, it's awfully convenient for him, too, especially considering that, uh, oh, I don't know, he's presiding over a court where they banned all video cameras and audio recording devices in, con- uh, in contradiction to, you know, free speech, free press, and specifically the uh, the free or the, or the open records ordinance in New Hampshire, the open records statute. He's violating those laws. Uh, plus, it's the same judge who banned people from wearing Ron Paul T-shirts and other message-oriented shirts. He forced one man to turn his Ron Paul shirt into inside out in order to attend my trial. Uh, he also told members of the audience that they could not be human beings by showing emotion uh, in his courtroom. I mean, it's just uh, the guy is completely outrageous. Oh, that, was, not to mention, uh, you know, <laughs> stifling people's uh, religious uh, expression. Um, in that the, too, yeah. He's forcing people to stand for him or leave the courtroom, uh, yeah. which, you know, is just absolutely outrageous what he was doing. And there's there's already been a grievance filed for the, the grievance panel in Concord about him by somebody else entirely that's not even within our circle of, uh, of activist friends. So there's just a guy that's that's dealing with the same judge in a custody case. He's so frustrated with this judge, he's filed a grievance against him, and there was supposed to be a hearing for that, I think, sometime this fall. So he's conveniently going to not have to go to that hearing because, uh, well, he's retiring, so he's going to avoid any kind of uh, accountability for uh, for his actions. So very very convenient timing for him. Uh, I'm sure he'll he'll say it was uh, it was planned all along. I'm sure. Um, when. Yeah. Um... But, 
now, now we were talking about this Eddie Free incident here. Yeah, I want to get back to that. Yeah, I do absolutely want to get back to that. And um, you know, tell me what the principle. What I had asked you prior to going to the break was, what is the principle to having other people pay Eddie Free's um, fine, um, whereas you know he wouldn't have to pay it. No, the principle is is an individual person's principle. So if Eddie doesn't feel right about paying it, that's his issue. If somebody else wants to pay it, that's their business. I mean, Eddie couldn't stop them from uh, from doing that if that's what they wanted to do. And the same thing with my situation. I, I don't want to enrich the state if I can avoid it. Uh, but if somebody else feels like they want to do it, I, I couldn't stop them from doing it. In fact, uh, Jim Johnson, a friend of ours, was recently put in jail forever by the same judge uh, for uh, essentially not filling out a court form and he sat in there for three weeks without paying a dime to the to the state when his uh, his wife uh, collected some money together uh, and they went and they you know they paid uh, they paid the ransom and uh, you know I think that at some point they're going to break you and it's it's it, that much it, is true I mean what you've got to, you've got to do what you've got to do to uh, to live your life and in Eddie Free's case I understand his concern about principle, but I'm with Jason. I think that uh, it's far more important to get to New Hampshire, pay the well, pay I, the ransom. Wait a second. Wait a second, Ian. I'm not saying that that's not the case. I'm tr- well. I'm talking. You were. Uh, well, you said I'm with Jason, and that that would suggest then that you're not with me. I'm for Eddie Free paying the ransom and coming up to New Hampshire right. too. And I'm with you as well. Then, so so I, I think that he should uh, absolutely pay it. Get the hell out of Washington, D.C., because there's nothing good that's ever going to come of doing any kind of uh, civil disobedience. The good that happened was that there was a lot of publicity given to the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. Uh, Jefferson Dance Party info obviously got a lot of press. And so I think the word got out about civil disobedience and disobeying bad laws, and I think that was very effective. Uh, that alone was worth uh, was worth a hundred bucks. But uh, to to have to sit in a Washington D.C. jail uh, for six months over a hundred dollars when you could be enjoying uh, freedom activism with liberty-minded compatriots in New Hampshire, it seems like a it seems like a no-brainer. I understand his concern, but I would say put it aside. Hey, if you want to go to jail for six months, there are plenty of ways to do it here in New Hampshire. Why would you want to do that? I'm just saying, if you want to act on your principles, just hold off until you until you get here. There's plenty of opportunities uh, to well, you know do civil disobedience. He's here facing and, six and months six months in jail for a hundred dollar fine, and to me, there's just no comparing those two things. Um, yeah, in New Hampshire, you'd be in jail for two days over a hundred dollars. Yeah. With as inefficient as the state is, giving it a hundred dollars is of no consequence whatever, because a hundred dollars doesn't even fill a gas tank for those people. Um, you know, they, they misadminister funds, and um, you know, so so terribly so i you know i i guess gotta say it's you know 100 bucks isn't withholding much from them yeah and let me just uh, say again i don't think eddie should pay it so i mean i'll get i'll, I'll send some money i'll give him a, a dollar i think uh, 99 other people will too i'd be happy to contribute more than more than a dollar to, uh, to help him if that's what it takes so right. I'd, I'd like to have him up here in new hampshire at uh, freestateproject.org hey guys thanks i appreciate it ian thanks thanks ian 855-450- 3733 Sakel CAI's call in line on Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Tollhouse Morsels, helping you create special moments and memories your family will cherish forever. Visit us at tollhouse.com. 
You may bake for birthdays and holidays, but why stop there? Sweeten up the rest of the year by designating monthly dessert days. Treat your family to one of their favorites or surprise them with something new. Either way, you'll create a tradition everyone will love. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line. What is SACL, you say? SACL CAI. It's a company that handles collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. It's owned by a man named uh, Jason Osborne, I guess among others. He's uh, sort of the principal there. And they, you know, Jason believes strongly in the ideas of liberty, believes strongly in Free Talk Live, and you know, he uh, handles his company in, a, in, a, in the moral fashion that you would expect a man who believes in these uh, the, the most moral ideas uh, in the world to conduct himself. So if you have a company that needs to some, try something new in the area of accounts receivable, SACL CAI is the way to go on that. You know, we've got a couple of stories here. Uh, Jason, yeah, if you're with me here. My name's Mark. I'm Jason. <laughs> um, and I thought we'd start out with... The you know to, to me the biggest story that we've got uh, here today is the WikiLeaks cables. Apparently, um, you know, of course, uh, there's the cables that were allegedly leaked by Bradley Manning. We don't really know whether they were leaked by Bradley Manning. Julian Assange, the the head of WikiLeaks, doesn't know whether they were leaked by Bradley Manning. It's just an assumption. That's what he's charged with. Yeah, but he's been in a cage under that assumption for m- many months, so over a year. And they apparently something happened in the world where uh, they uh, WikiLeaks was allowing large news organizations to vet some of this stuff and and redact portions of it that they felt were uh, um, you know dangerous for people because I mean this was always the complaint all along of people who are completely ignorant of the situation. But what about our boys in green? They're going to get killed over this. Well, in fact, lots of stuff is uh, being redacted and. Um, you know, they were trying. To, WikiLeaks was trying to to sanitize this stuff. But well, it, it's more than uh, boys in green. It's also uh, confidential sources, that uh, too, yeah. uh, snitches, I guess uh, what you would call them, people that they're paying off, um, and also um, people working for the federal government that are out in other countries uh, pursuing the interests of the U.S. Uh, empire. Right, <laughs> spooks, as it were. Right, the um, but. Something happened, and I guess the WikiLeaks cables have been leaked through one of these news organizations. It's my understanding that uh, WikiLeaks gave a password to the Guardian newspaper, and the Guardian newspaper revealed this unredacted. So it seems like they would be the ones to blame. Indeed. So, um, you know, but but these are their – WikiLeaks' cables. So I I wouldn't blame WikiLeaks over this too. So I guess WikiLeaks has released all the cables and just said, well, you know, it's released. And among them – is um, this article here from uh, rawstory.com by David Ferguson from uh, yesterday. According to a diplomatic cable published by WikiLeaks, U.S. troops massacred an Iraqi family in the town of Ishaki in 2006, handcuffing them and then shooting 11 people in the head, including a woman in her 70s and five children ages five and under. 
McClatchy is reporting that soldiers then called in an airstrike on the house to cover up evidence of the killings. The account differs sharply from an official version of the 2006 incident, which indicated that coalition forces captured an al-Qaeda, an al-Qaeda an Iraqi operative in the house, which was destroyed in a firefight. The WikiLeaks cable, however, corroborates accounts by Ashaki townspeople and includes questions about the incident by Philip Alston, the U.N. special uh, rapporteur on extrajudicial summary or arbitrary executions. The cable is dated 12 days after the incident, which took place March 15, 2006. In it, Alliston, Alston, excuse me, says that uh, autopsies performed in the in Crete on bodies pulled from the wreckage of the farmhouse indicate that all of the dead had been handcuffed and shot in the head. The victims included at least 10 persons, namely, you know, this uh, fellow whose name I don't quite get here, um, his wife, uh, her, she was 24, their three children, aged five, three, and five months old. Um, this uh, gentleman's mother, aged 74, and the sister, name unknown, uh, nieces, age uh, five years old, and, a, and uh, another niece that was three years old. So and then somebody who happened to be visiting the house, 23 years old, was killed during the raid. This is all the information we have on this. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there that don't like you telling stories about what really happens with U.S. troops out in the field. They would like to believe they, they live in a world where our troops are better and more moral than every other soldier that has ever lived. that they, When they fight wars, they don't fight wars in the same way that other people fight wars. We're a kinder, gentler nation. Uh, we are just and true and all these things. But ladies and gentlemen, when you send your kids off, to, when you let your kids go off to war, some of the things that they're doing are going to ruin their minds. This, I mean, these soldiers handcuffed and shot among other people. I mean, I'm not saying it's okay to do this to other people, but the most egregious here is five children, five and under. I uh, live within walking distance of an armed forces career center, and uh, I was I joined the military. Uh, I was in the Air Force when I uh, turned 17, and um, it just makes me sick to uh, to know what uh, peop- the U.S. government is doing. And then they try to do that in my name. Uh, they try to get me to pay for it uh, with taxation. And I don't understand. And so it's it's horrible. And I try to disassociate myself with the actions of the uh, U.S. government, the, right. the federal empire, as much as I can. So this is why I want nothing to do with uh, that system. And I'm trying to uh, replace it with... Uh, peaceful and uh, voluntary measures this this is just horrible and this is what happens when only governments can commit atrocities on such a massive scale uh and uh and get people to do this and they're wearing american flag patches on their shoulder right and you know you can say that this is criminal behavior and that these soldiers should be prosecuted for it and I, i can't say anything different but this is war and this is what war looks like. When you ask for war, this is the crap you're going to get. Not sometimes, but every time. Now, the fact that it doesn't get brought up to you shows how adept 
nation states are at obscuring the truth from their their citizenry as it were the um you know this is this is you know they, they all along they've attempted to obscure things like this if people knew what was being done in their name they wouldn't allow it but now with the internet and with communications as the way they are this is going to change now some people don't want this to change they want the they they don't want this information put in their face they don't want to know that us troops are executing uh, children. Hey, Mark, can you remind me who the real terrorists are? Because I heard it was like the people that were holding up the budget were the real terrorists, and people that wear Ron Paul stickers, um, they may be the terrorists, but uh, I don't know. It seems like the terrorists are um, U.S. soldiers in many cases who are attacking children I don't want them. I don't want to just point out US soldiers I, I do think that um, I do I, you know they when you join a terrorist organization you're joining a terrorist organization there's no doubt about it um, but they what, what needs to be said is essentially governments uh, you know the monopolistic governments as they exist today are by their very nature terrorist organizations they rule through threat of violence and that's it. I mean, that's that's how they get what they want to get done. They don't enter into voluntary, uh, uh, you know, sort of transactions with other people like most businesses done. They do business by forcing people, scaring people, taking people's property with against their will. That's what they do. I have the definition of terrorism right here, and it's the use of violence and intimidation in the pursuit of political aims. And I'm not part of a terrorist organization, and that's why I have nothing to do with the, the United States government. Well, look up uh, political. I'd, I'd love to know what, uh, what, what that means precisely. Because I, you know, I, I think that, that that definition could be broader than, um, than, than just governmental. If you've got some comment on this, if you, if you support our troops, if you've got a yellow uh, ribbon on the back of your car... Please call in and tell me how you feel about this. 855-450-3733 cuz it makes me sick. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP. Features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high visibility three dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at Ruger.com slash LC9. Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line. Here on Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver, either as a hedge against inflation, investment, barter currency. It's been a jump in uh, gold today. Um, I, I think probably silver, too. I don't remember. didn't really check on that one today. But, um, I, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going down, folks. I uh, saw an article, The Case for $10,000 Gold. I don't know whether that's uh, you know that's going to be the case or anything like that, but gold's going up faster right now than it seems anything else is. So if you want to get some gold, go to gold.freetalklive.com. We believe that we have the best rates on the internet. Gold.freetalklive.com. You uh, check around and you see it's the same. L- let us you know, g- g- get buy some. 
If you don't, let us know. <laughs> Free Talk Live, gold.freetalklive.com. And we have been talking about this uh, article here where um, WikiLeaks cables have been uh, released that say that uh, U.S. troops have uh, shot 11 people in the head while handcuffed, including a grandmother in her 70s and uh, five children um, ages five and under. And I, you know, we, we, I know that these things happen. And I every time I see one of these stories, it's, I find it very upsetting um, that, you know, that, that we see these. And what upsets me the most is how little people seem to care. Um, Americans, you know, I, I among them, supported going into Iraq and Afghanistan. And then when something bad happens, it's not their fault. So, you know, when you when you have this uh, this idea that we should go after Iran, say, or China or you, you pick your particular country, because don't worry, there's a new war coming. Uh, Libya. You know, I, I understand that Muammar Gaddafi is a bad guy and the U.S. involvement in Libya was somewhat minimal. But that, that doesn't mean that. Bad things didn't happen that you didn't see just because there aren't cameras there, that there aren't news reporters there. There's a lot of incidences. Most of the incidents, the vast majority of these incidences occur without some reporter there and to, you know, to talk about it, to, uh, you know, to to, to shine the light of day on these uh, incidences and people, they, they, they so they think they're absolved from it because they don't hear about it. They think they're absolved from it because they didn't have anything to do with it. And you've got to take responsibility for this. If you support from a uh, sort of a emotional standpoint, a verbal standpoint, yes, we should have gone into Iraq, then you're responsible to yeah. some extent. It was your voice among many others that allowed this to happen. Because believe me, if the American people had said no in a unified voice, no, we are not going to let you go in. No, we don't believe your lies. The lies that were, by by the way, uh, gained through, through, through torture. The uh, the whole idea that the weapons of mass destruction were gained through uh, Egyptian torture that was, uh, you know, from somebody who was rendered by the CIA. And this is this the onus of this sits upon everybody who supported this action. These are your kids. They're twenty two. They're sent in. They're told by their commanders. I, I know one one of them. Uh, one situation is uh, a, a guy's uh, you know in the peace movement now said that his commander offered, I believe it was a week furlough. I maybe uh, maybe maybe it was a weekend or something like that. Some some kind of pittance to the marine in his command that got the first bayonet kill in Iraq. Mm-hmm. He suggested that you would get a free week off or free weekend or whatever it is by using a bayonet to kill somebody. He didn't say that it was somebody that, uh, you know, an insurgent or anything like that. Um, you know, maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe maybe he, maybe the uh, commanding officer said something like that and the guy didn't repeat it. But, you know, the idea that you would even want to use a bayonet, I mean, it's a much more brutal-looking uh, way of uh, killing somebody. The idea that, uh, that, that this guy would be incentivizing that behavior, to me, is just... Mm-hmm. 
disgusting. Well, there's all kinds of per- perverse incentives when it comes to the military. We just had uh, Daniel uh, Petraeus, the general who oversaw the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War. Now he's going to put on a suit um, as opposed to his um, battle dress uniform, and he's going to become the uh, director of the Central Intelligence Agency. And all of these people have a, a, an incentive to keep the military strong. Um, you know, the the one statement that he did make upon uh, leaving uh, like a 30-plus year career in the military was, can't cut that military budget. You know, it's, it's, it's really important. But when they say that military budget, they're talking about something that you fund every time you pay taxes. So it's on you. And, and again um, – yeah, people, you're right, Mark. People should speak out. People should say no. So now that I have a microphone in front of me, I definitely say no to their activities. So much so, like I said, I disassociate myself with them. I pay them as little money as possible. And I think it's really important that we look at ways that we can um, compete directly with the government, uh, do things in a voluntary manner. Um, some some services that the state provides are uh, are good things. Uh, good. I think it's good that. There's education, uh, you know, you need roads, but I think all these things can be done voluntarily, and it should be and a lot better. I yeah, mean, yeah. when you look at uh, what what government has done to education, it's turned what would be otherwise, uh, you know, something that would be, uh, you know, the United States, if it had a free market education, would be rising in the world as far as uh, competition, as far as uh, the other countries as competition. But we're not; we're falling, and. There's no excuse for it. it. You know, it's become cartelized. And uh, what there's a quote from some teachers' union advocate from the past: as soon as the kids start, uh, as soon as students start paying union dues, I'll start representing students. Which says to me that he, it's pretty clear who he's representing. It's just his teachers' union. So there's um, a lot of things, services that do need to be provided, but it really does need to be unbundled from the organization um, that creates mass warfare um, and, and kills number of people. Why, why does the same uh, organization that uh, does that activity, which I uh, want nothing to do with, um, take care of other vital um, things that could be done voluntarily? So um, it's up to everybody to stop this from happening and defund it. Um, I, you know, I, I see the, uh, the American flag as uh, – as a symbol of gang violence, uh, as a symbol of empire. Right. It's, you know, the Crips and the Bloods have their little red bandanas and their blue bandanas. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> the military and, and the, the government has its red, white, and blue bandana. That's, you know, really what it comes down to. I understand that people can look at that flag and they can see what it represents as far as the nation, if the nation is like the people and the land and things like that. Now, tell you the united states is blessed or lucky or whatever term you wish to use when it comes to land when it comes to its strategic location in the world you know you don't we don't have any fear of the big red horde from canada rolling across with maple leaves painted on their tanks and taking over we don't have the fear of the Mexican army coming up and rising through in order to take back land that they felt that they lost unfairly 150 years ago or whatever it is there's no threat from us and from a sort of regional standpoint um, when, you know, so, so, I mean, you know, we've got land that allows you to live in the mountains, on the sea, in the hot, in the cold. You can live any way you want in the United States. And it's a it's a real blessing. And the people, yes, uh, you know, I think the United States people are great. I don't know how they compare to the rest of the world's people, but I kind of like them better. Um, that's that's how I feel. But yeah. 
you know, when you th- it can only this nationalism thing only goes so far when you start thinking uh, that you know the government itself somehow rep- is represented by this uh, this nation state. Yeah, I think the the nation might really be theirs. The politicians have uh, managed to wrap themselves so thoroughly in that flag that they are the government, not we the people, not not, not the the land, the government and the nation and all that stuff is wrapped together. And sadly, it has nothing to do with you or I. Right. And that country, that landmass has a pretty elaborate control mechanism called the state that's uh, just throughout Right, uh, you know, once with this, the state tends to rise up wherever people have managed to be free enough to make good money, make a lot of money. That's where the state rises up in order to take it away. It's just a gang of thieves yeah, that just rises up. Now, you could have people that are relatively free living in sort of tribal places around the world. There's no state there because there's nothing to take. What are you going to take from these people? Their pig, their coconuts. You know, you're not going to take anything. They, they, the state wants. You know, it's going to have to have money in order to to, to take the money away from you and and these kind of things. Uh, you know, so it's it's really it's frustrating when I read stories like this about five five year olds getting shot in the head while handcuffed, and I ride around and I see people with their yellow ribbons and their American flags and all these things, and I don't know what they're thinking. Maybe they're thinking like I am, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're not thinking at all. It makes it difficult to support our troops. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. How do you feel about supporting your troops after hearing this story? You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world. Find out more at weusecoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. Free Talk Live, 855-453-855-450-3733 is the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Jason. Well, you know, in the last hour, Jason, we were talking about, um, well, I guess an incident where uh, some U.S. soldiers among uh, shot 11 people who were handcuffed in a home. And then called in a uh, fire, uh, a, a, an airstrike on the home to cover up what they did. They, you know, basically the leaks have shown that they've uh, basically been found out, but no one ever did anything about it. Um, so five of these children were under, or five of these people were children under the age of five. Now, when you say found out, you say, you mean uh, there was an investigation within investigation the government, and they the UN uh, did the investigation. The United States government did nothing. Okay, but everybody was quiet about it. Nobody released these. Right, the UN did not release this and say, "Look what the United States has done." Even wow, they sat on that information. Yeah. That seems kind of scandalous. <laughs> it's all scandalous. What am I talking about? <laughs> and, hey, let me. Uh, I, I made a mistake uh, during the last segment. I want to correct it. I said our troops. Uh, they're not my troops. I was once a troop um, back in, I guess, '93. Um, I was a troop, and I, I'm sorry for that. But uh, I have nothing to do with what these people are doing over there. 
So, um, you know, and, and I asked people, you know, how do they feel when they hear stories like this, when they've got their, you know, little yellow uh, magnets on the little yellow ribbon magnets on the back of their car and all these things. And it's very hip to say we support the troops. But, you know, I wonder how they justify this in their minds. I mean, what does we support the troops mean to you? Because to me, I can say I support the troops. I want them to be brought home. I want the government out of the hundred and uh, the United States government out of the hundred and thirty one, hundred and thirty plus, I should say, um, nation states that's in with on the more than a thousand military bases, mm-hmm. and bring all those guys home, all those people home, guys, gals, whomever, bring them home. The vast majority of them can go back to work in uh, you know sort of productive uh, society rather than going out you know and and being essentially hitmen for uh, big corporations and uh, mafia interests and uh, you know oil barons and uh, diamond cartels and and whatever the troops can come home and uh, begin the healing process because they've probably seen a lot of uh, right. bad things imagine how, what it's like for these people that were here in this incident uh, you know that shot these five kids in the head while they were handcuffed imagine what that's like for them mm-hmm. and i've asked on multiple occasions for calls on this and i haven't gotten any None. And it really makes me wonder, because I know it's really hip to support the troops. I know they do. I know it is. And I know people are, you know, we're on 100 plus radio stations around the country. People are hearing my voice when I say this, but they're hiding their heads and they're not going to talk about it. You know, do they not support it anymore? If that's so, that's fine. You know, I don't support this war either. These wars, uh, any of them. You would think there'd be at least one person out there that is uh, willing to come forward and supporting the troops and calling us tonight. You'd think, um, and and tell at least tell me what it means to support the troops. I'm not looking spoiling for a fight. I'd love to hear. Uh, you know, how could you justify supporting the troops and their? Uh, you know, does that mean supporting their mission? Can you support the troops and not sh- support their mission? Because it seems like most people that say support the troops support the mission. And the mission results in – if the mission is going out and killing people, it's going to result in things like this. And I would think that in order to support the troops, you you would want what's in their interest and what they want, and they probably want to come home. Some, some do. Uh, Ron Paul, in fact, is uh, of the presidential candidates out there, is the only one who's consistent on bringing the troops home, and he is the largest. Uh, he was of of all the candidates. His uh, contributions to his campaign are the largest. I believe they're like three times what all the other Republicans are. Get, get I'm going to repeat that. I believe the contributions to his campaign are three times what the, all the other Republicans are, and they're more than what Obama's uh, the contribution to Obama's campaign. I think it's more than all of them combined, but it's going to be really close. So let's support the troops and uh, bring them home. The uh, so, so I mean you know I, I I would love to have a call on that, but let's just go on to something a little easier. So here's the the troops are out there fighting for our freedom uh, to create the land of the free. This is the land of the free because it's the home of the brave, right? The troops are the brave ones. They're out there um, protecting us from handcuffed five year olds, and the U.S. now aims to track untraceable prepaid cash cards. Now, now, these are the freedoms that the soldiers are fighting for overseas. As I understand it. Okay. Yep. This is from uh, MSNBC.com, from M. Alex Johnson. As the federal government tells it, the money men behind the September 11, 2001 hijackers would never have been identified had they not been lousy bankers. Here's a quote. The 9-11 hijackers opened U.S. bank accounts, had face-to-face dealings with bank employees, signed signature cards, received wired transfers – all of which left fin- financial fingerprints. Law enforcement was able to follow the trail, identify the hijackers, and trace them back to their terror cells and confederates abroad. 
That's from a Treasury Department uh, assessment of financial security threats in 2005. It went on to warn that the terrorists could have quietly moved large sums of money into or out of the U.S. Had the 9-11 terrorists used prepaid cards to cover their expenses, none of these financial footprints would have been available. Six years after the Treasury identified that vulnerability, concerned that drug smugglers and terrorists are exploiting it as a Driving is dri- uh, it is driving the federal government to change the rules for issuing and using prepaid cards, particularly high-value reloadable cards like the cash cards you might take with you on vacation. By making it harder to get prepaid cards without subjecting buyers to government scrutiny, regulators and lawmakers hoped to make it easier to detect patterns of money movement that could signal something nefarious. By card issuers, but excuse me, but card issuers and some business experts warn that the expense and paperwork involved in the new restrictions, which require issuers to keep records on who bought how many, how much for five years, could drive smaller card operations out of the market. Now, this really is what it all comes down to. It's the regulations that drive small business out of business. Big business can handle the regulations. They can handle these things. And this this is what big business wants. So for those of you that are out there that say, oh, big corporations, they're ruining the world. Just understand that the regulations that you hope to put on the big corporations, in fact, are generally written by the big corporations or their shills. And they drive out the competition from smaller people who smaller companies uh, you know smaller holders who would would propose to compete and keep these people fair right because these larger businesses can uh, absorb the cost and like you said um, many times wrote the law so right many tuna fish companies for instance uh, began doing the dolphin free tuna fishing thing voluntarily because people wanted them to do it, and they would go to the tuna fish company that did it first. So the tuna fish company that has the dolphin-free thing on it gets the business of the people that want to, uh, you know, to do that, and that's enough of a portion of their business that it would that affects them. It could drive them out of business. This was all done voluntarily, and if there's no competition, if it's cartelized, you've got to take what they give. And it gets cartelized because they write the regulations that you propose to put on them to keep them in control, uh, under control. What those regulations do is put them in control. When the government refers to prepaid debit cards, it's not talking about the standard bank debit cards you probably have in your purse or wallet because such cards are attached to bank accounts. They're already closely monitored by numerous federal agencies. If you had a bank debit card to – if you give a bank debit card to someone to do something bad with – you'll easily be traceable. One of the new rules, in fact, is to rename prepaid debit cards, which would also be known as store-valued cards, to avoid confusion. They're now called prepaid access cards because they're not tied to a bank account. They're just uh, pointers uh, to a sum of money you've already paid up or given in advance. The money itself can be anywhere, including accounts outside the reach of government monitoring. The Distinction actually makes good sense, said James Angle, businessman, uh, business professor at the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University. You don't have that much risk of terrorism through a bank debit card, he said in an interview. There's a problem with a prepaid card because it can be begin with cash. The trail is broken and you can't track where that money came from. 
this kind of interests me, though. Can't they just do all kinds of other things besides this prepaid card? I mean, they crack down on these prepaid cards, but can't terrorists send cash? Can't they send gold? Can't they send all kinds of things? I guess it's probably not as easy, not as convenient for them. It might be. Uh, yeah, it, I, it might be. I couldn't say. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Do you think this is a reasonable impingement by the government? As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Ruger's new SR-40C is the compact version of the recoil-reducing striker-fired SR-40 pistol, one of the slimmest and most ergonomic full-sized 40 caliber pistols on the market today. The SR-40C is based on the same high-performance, glass-filled nylon frame as those used in so many great Ruger pistols, offering the same features, including a slim frame, short trigger reach, reversible backstrap, and ambidextrous controls. The SR-40C features a throw-hardened stainless steel slide or alloy steel slide with Nitrodox pro-black finish. You can see it at Ruger.com and purchase it at your local gun dealer. It's the SR40C Ruger.com. Going back to this article from MSN.com, prepaid cards and their fees go mainstream. Jim Schiegel, a senior product manager at ACI Worldwide in New York, which creates and manages electronic payment systems for banks and major retailers, said the new rules are well-intentioned, but he questioned just how big a problem money laundering is through prepaid cards. It's such a small percentage of the overall problem, and the attempts to propose very heavy legislation and requirements around it put a drag on an otherwise growing and profitable sector. And this is what the government does. It comes up with some excuse, some reason for doing something, and then strangles the life out of a particular industry. You know, I don't know how prepaid cards can make our lives better in the future. I couldn't say that. But, you know, we didn't, people didn't know how automobiles were going to make people's lives better early on either. And they've made people's lives immeasurably better, and they're getting better all the time. If you've got a problem with carbon emissions, they're coming out with electric vehicles. If you've got a problem with how they uh, um, electric vehicles use all this, you know, these chemicals to make batteries, they're coming out with uh, you know these uh, fission, not fission. Uh, uh, I don't know, hydrogen vehicles and all different uh, other ways of running vehicles. People, you know, the the technology is still continuing to grow. We don't know what the government's strangling here, and that's the unseen of the situation. I'm sorry, I forgot to do introductions. This is Mark. And this is Jason. Yeah, but basically, um, I think these cards are great because let's say you have some cash, but you need to buy something online. So just, yeah. uh, you know, buy a card. I think they have them at like CVS's or Walgreens. I'm sure they do, yeah. 
Um, and so, but they get a cut. You know, they they get their money for the you know the finance charges, and uh, that's that's their business model. But it helps a lot of people out. But the government doesn't like it because they can't track it. This is how they're going to go after bitcoins too. Mm-hmm. Bitcoins are a way to purchase. Um, you know, you can purchase bitcoins. You can buy things online. You can send bitcoins for free to other people. Uh, they're they're completely untraceable as far as the government goes. I people will exchange cash for you uh, for bitcoins later there's always a fee every time you exchange anything for anything there's there's a fee but um you know these there's a fee in buying these things so this will be the the pretense under which they go after bitcoins also if you want to find out more about bitcoins go to weusecoins.org it's the world's first decentralized anonymous internet currency and it's gaining popularity every day it's free to use free to accept and free from inflation forever again it's weusecoins.org but you know the this is just an easy this is government this is an easy target for them this is a sitting duck they can go after these people and you know somehow just ruin their industry what do they care what does the government care if it ruins this industry and perhaps the people that are the users of these maybe they maybe they don't have good credit or you know and rely on this and so they're not going to have like somebody that can lobby for them nobody's looking out for their interest let's go to chris in indiana chris hi Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Yep, I'm here. Hi. Um, how you guys doing tonight? All's well. Pretty good. That's good. Um, the guy last night, um, Professor Anthony Davies. Yes. Um, now he had a lot of good views, but I, I, uh, he had one interesting view that I am partially I disagree with him. You guys were talking about gold and silver, and about investments, about social security, and how people can hedge their that are. Um, you know, getting into their older years right now, and they can um, hedge their funds or whatever, so against inflation. And he was saying, he brought up the example of 1980 when silver reached a peak of about 50 bucks an ounce and gold, what was it, about, um, and a equivalent about 2300 an ounce today, right? Yeah, but it was like 800 at the time, yeah. Right, like when you put inflation, that calculation, that it was about equivalent to $2,300 today. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um... You know, that wasn't the same economy back then. Sure. Not at all. Well, he wasn't having a conversation with us about, um, you know, investing in gold and silver. I was going to see if that would be what he his solution would be. And it doesn't, you know, he, he wasn't going to go out on that limb. He wasn't prepared to, to swim right. out into the water and say that. Um, you know, I agree with you. I think that gold is a, a good investment. I do think that uh, it's nowhere near what the peak of it is at this point, considering we can't even find the gold in the world. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. the, they're they're selling paper they won't even gold. Show us the gold that they, they won't even show the, the Federal Reserve won't even show the government if they even have gold. Yeah, they, they choose not to. <laughs> right, it's never been audited. Who knows if there's even gold in Fort Knox? We have no idea. Exactly. So, no, but I'm just saying that that example that he brought up, I don't think it has much backing to it because of the fact that that economy back in 1980 was nowhere it, it, it was basically it was just so far out of the realm as what it is now you can't compare that economy from back then to what it is now i so, think he was just saying that all investments have risk is what he was trying to get course, across no investment is 100 percent. no one yep. but i'd say that i'd say that gold and silver physical on hand it's a it's basically as close to a lock as you can possibly get unless you're a hardcore insider in the in, on Wall Street. I mean, but if you're just the average Joe out there wanting to protect your funds, 
and investments, I strongly recommend at least having 10 to 20%, at least at the very least, 10 to 20% of your assets, investment assets in gold and silver. So what you're saying is a safe, it's a safe uh, bet right now, but there is somewhere. Look at economic law. It's almost economic law that the more money that they print, the more, you know what I mean? You know exactly what I mean. I've got it. And I agree that one should get into gold and silver. I'm still getting into it when I have the opportunity to get into it. I mean, it's not like like I'm rolling in the dough here on Free Talk Live. I I know people think that uh, talk show hosts make a bundle. And Free Talk Live is a privately owned concern, and it's not like we get paychecks from, uh, you know, uh, Premier Radio Networks or Westwood One or any of these things. And we make our money off of uh, advertising here on Free Talk Live. But the what you understand is there uh, uh, when any investment gets hot and gold and silver is getting hot, there's a bubble to be had. Now, I'm not saying we're at the bubble. I don't know. But well, the way a bubble works is, uh, you know, first it goes you know, I don't. I think gold and silver is undervalued today, right now, but it's going to go past the value uh, point silver's of uh, way, silver's silver's way undervalued. Yep. You look at the economic history for six thousand years; it's sixteen ounces of gold or sixteen ounces of silver buys one ounce of gold. Right now, it's at about forty to one. Yep, that that much is true. And I think gold's undervalued too. Frankly, um, you know, I mean, they're not even yep. showing us the gold. So I think that I think these things have uh, have legs, and they're going to continue to go up. But I think they'll also go past the point of their value. Hit a, yeah, hit a peak. They, they will. And, and people need to look into Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution and see that gold and silver are only the real money in the world and that's the only thing that can back dollars. Now those are the, that only refers to states print uh, coining money. And so states can only print coin money in gold and silver, and states aren't coining money these days. Chris, thanks for the call. You can give us a call at 855-450-FREE. I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. That's the SACL toll-free call in line here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. Jason. Social Security versus private retirement accounts. Professor Anthony Davies, whom we had on the show last night, analyzes Social Security through the lens of a typical 22-year-old American. Assuming Social Security is completely solvent, <laughs> the expected—I'm <laughs> sorry, I can't go on. The expected return on investment is far lower than a private account. Further, if an individual could opt out of Social Security payments and invest the funds entirely in Treasury bills, or even Treasury bills, um, even the Treasury bills would yield re- re- a greater ROI. And that's the government's investment. Go watch this video at learnliberty.org/ftl. I have several of them that I picked out there, and I'm just premiering them as we go go on so that uh, people can get a chance to take a look at these. And I think these are great. Uh, these are ones that I've picked out myself. And show them to your friends, your family. Sh- share them on Facebook. Link to them. People need to see this information. 
It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. While you're there, check out the Liberty Academy link on the right-hand side of the page. It is a online course for people who want an online course that's free that teaches them about economics, liberty, philosophy, um, rights. It's Liberty Academy. Excuse me. That's the Liberty Academy at learnliberty.org slash FTL. Um, let's go right into the calls here. we got Wolfgang in Nevada. Wolfgang? Yes. Um, your response to that guy's talking about Article 1, Section 10 is pretty off base. Okay. Um, if you look, look at the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8 lists powers that are granted to Congress. Section 9 is sort of like a little mini Bill of Rights, which are restrictions on things that Congress can do. Section 10 is sort of like a little mini Bill of Rights against the state to list things that the states can't do, the state governments are prohibited from doing. So if you look at Section 8, nowhere does the federal government get the power to um, have legal tender laws or make legal tender laws. That's reserved to the states, therefore it's not listed in 8. And you look at 10, there's restrictions on the states and their capacities as... Um, legal tender um, enforcers, in, in in their capacity to do that, they can only make gold and silver a, a legal tender. No, wait a it's second. It, money. In Section Eight, doesn't it say that? Um, doesn't it in Article One, when the legislative branch doesn't it have the right to coin money? Section Eight lists the powers of the Congress that they get get to do. One of the okay. things that Congress can do is coin money. Right. Section Ten. In, in the list of prohibitions on what state governments can do, they are prohibited from making their legal tender laws um, apply to anything besides gold and silver. Right. So Section 8 doesn't say anything about legal tender laws for the, gov- for the federal government. So they, the federal government actually has no power to declare legal tender. That's reserved to the state. But it has the right to coin money. And what does that mean? Yeah, coining money is when it's just making coins. Like they have the right to make a post office. That's just the right to, to um, the power to create a business that sends letters. So just because and so they can regulate they the value of a coin, right? Yeah, they make coins. So they, they could they can so very pure. easily um, create a coin that is uh, two trillion dollars and pay off or fourteen trillion dollars and pay off the debt, right? No, I don't understand what you just said there, but... Um, well, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let's be clear on what I'm saying here. The, the the federal government... Let's be 100% clear on this. The federal government has the right to... The difference between coining money and declaring legal tender, two completely different things. You can coin... Do they have the right to regulate the value thereof? They have the right to, to say, okay, a dollar is X amount of grains of silver or which they've done, that's what regulating the value thereof means. So they could so say they that a piece it. of paper then, therefore, is a, um, is, you know, has a no, certain they value. they can't about a piece of paper. They can only, in Section 10, they have the concept of legal tender exists, and that means that the states will say we're only going to enforce contracts. I'm with you on this one. Let's, uh, let's go with it. When are you going to file the lawsuit against the federal government that they're breaking the Constitution? That's not my point. I'm just trying to show you the clear way that those constitutions laid out. This is not clear. It's not clear. To coin money, regulate the value thereof, a foreign coin, fix the standards of weights and measures. It seems to me that the the Congress, uh, that to provide for the punishment of counterfeiting the securities and current coin of the United States, it seems pretty clear that the the legislative branch has the right to regulate money and that states only have the right to create coins in gold and silver. No, 
read Section 10. You want me to read it to you? Yeah, what's it say? It says, no state, dot, 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 shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payments of debts. Okay. It has to do with, gover- to do with government's uh, declaring, enforcing legal tender laws, the same ones that Ron Paul wants to have repealed at the federal level, which are unconstitutional. Okay, it's two a whole different thing. So that's that's what that's how this was understood when it, when these were written. Well, you know, there's a lot of things that were understood a certain way when it was written yeah. um, that, you know, that <laughs> that have gone well, way, way, way by the wayside. It's not like, um, you know, this was the first fiat currency that existed uh, was the Federal Reserve note created in 1913. There have been many fiat currencies that have existed throughout the United States. Uh, you know, I, I, Jackson got rid of the second um, what was a second national bank, which meant that which meant there had to have been a first one, too. And he was what, the seventh president? I'm not sure. Maybe it was ninth. Something like that. He was very early on, so they were breaking these laws all along. If 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 what right. you're saying is true, but you have to understand how legal tender laws fits into it. Um, the, well, apparently, I don't get any of this because I mean, uh, you know, I yeah. I was uh, of I was clear that the Constitution was supposed to be something that one could plainly read, and what I'm hearing plain. from you isn't plain at all. Well, just read. Uh, do you understand the difference between legal tender laws and coining money? I, I think that the legal tender makes something legal if they wish to make it legal, right? Well, no, think about tender it. Tender means Ron that Paul it is good for all, all debts. Ron Paul is proposing that we, abo- that we repeal legal tender. If they were unconstitutional, you wouldn't have to repeal them. Yeah, but that's another story. He's just trying to, she's trying to pragmatically reduce the Why would he bother leave? running for president and doing all this stuff if he could just file a lawsuit? For God's sakes, they're breaking the Constitution. You're, why are you getting off the track here? Let's, let's understand. <laughs> You're talking about the Constitution. You're talking yeah. about their rule book that they get to, to uh, decide how it's applied. And you're saying that uh, you know it's that, that, that you found the loophole, and I don't think you have. And, and no, Wolfgang, I'm not Wolfgang. About loophole. I'm, just, I'm not talking about loophole. I'm just talking about legal tender laws in the context of Article Eight, or I mean Section Eight, as well as Section Ten, and, and as they exist today. I, I think what's going on is that uh, Wolfgang, you're saying that the the Constitution is clear, and Mark is saying yeah. that uh, it is not currently being enforced that way, which would lead people to say there is uh, some some un- unclear language in the Constitution, which is why it's able to um, not be followed currently. Do you see how um, – is this Pete? Uh, no, or, this, no, this, this is, is Jason. Jason. Um, do, you under, do you understand what, how clearly Section 10's – discussion of the state's um, restrictions in their capacity to make legal tender laws is a distinct thing compared to the federal government's power to coin money. Right. Is that clear to you? But but the federal government isn't obeying that. Is is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's another story. I'm just asking if you understand. The well, I don't think here. that it's. I don't think it's clear and, because and the, the states of coins versus legal tender. See what the governments do and have done is they make they start saying, okay, these pieces of paper, which may have used to, may have at one time been redeemable, they'll they'll say everybody must accept these in their contracts. That's how the power of legal tender. Is can make, give value to fiat money and create fiat money. Right, and that's so that, that's a power they're using that's never been granted to them by the Constitution. Is that what you're saying? Not the federal government. It's not listed in eight, but it's mentioned in ten. 
amongst the things, the restrictions on the state's powers. There's other stuff that the states can do well, or not do. So what this, what this says is, and I understand what you're saying, that there's no power given to the federal government that is not specifically mentioned in the Constitution. And you're saying that the federal government has never been given the right to tender money and that states can only no, tender... No, no, that's, not a, that's not clear. It's to make a legal tender law. Tender money is like what you do when you... Uh, anyway, continue. Sorry. And that states have to do it in gold and silver. All I'm saying is that states are the only ones that have to do it in gold and silver. The federal government doesn't have to do it because it wrote, wrote its own rules, and it's pretty clear that it's allowed to coin money and, and uh, give the value thereof. Wolfgang, thank you for the call. 855-450-3733. you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the porcupine realtor do you want a home with 20 acres a lakeside cabin any takers for renters buyers and sellers too mark warden is the guy for you porcupinerealtor.com Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. We were having a riveting uh, conversation <laughs> about the uh, minutia of the founding document of the United States, the uh, U.S. Constitution, that uh, nobody uh, seems to have read, no one uh, pays attention to. It is not followed, but it's really important about what it says. Let's go to Kurt in New Hampshire. Kurt? Yes, sir. Okay, the difference between coining and setting the price of money and legal tender laws. A legal tender law is a definition by which a specific commodity, money, whatever it is, is made legal for all debts. Okay. Which means that the person to whom you owe the money must take it. If I walk into a restaurant and I order a steak and I put down a coin of silver, the restaurant can turn it down. Right. If if they say, pay me in silver, and I put down a $20 bill, they cannot refuse it by law. That's correct. That's what a legal tender law is, and that's why fiat currencies require legal tender laws. Otherwise, people wouldn't use them. I don't know that that's entirely true, but um, I do understand that generally fiat currencies come with legal tender laws. I got you on, on that well, part. I mean, currently, the, uh, uh, the restaurants are not— during Civil War? The greenback during the Civil War required a legal tender law. It may, it may be true, but the Federal Reserve note does not. I mean, you know, I'll, yes, I'll, I'll be – okay, you're just speculating at this point because we do not no, live I'm in not a world – Go and look it up. You look up legal tender in the United States. By law, the Federal Reserve note now, is legal tender. I said require. I'm not saying that um, – that <laughs> I'm telling you that if you go out to a business yeah. and you offer them $20 and or $20 worth of silver, that you know they'll, they'll decide most of the time to take the Federal Reserve note. And that's because they want it. They demand oh, I it. Agree with you. I agree with you. So it doesn't I, require I, a legal tender law. It doesn't require it for them to accept. That's it. what I mean. It requires them for them to have to receive. It. I understand what a legal ten- what legal tender is. I'm okay. I'm, I'm clear. Okay. okay. Well, that was it. It just didn't seem so, like you were getting that the, the law that says you must take this money is actually unconstitutional. 
Well, I don't know that I, I don't know that that's true. Um, the the Constitution is pretty clear that uh, the the um, U.S. Supreme Court they have the the right to interpret the Constitution. Um, at least that's the, well, no, not not exactly. They have the appellate jurisdiction. Is that correct? Is that how they call it? Appellate jurisdiction. The the spelling out of being able to declare a law unconstitutional was never actually done. That's correct. It Under John Jay, uh, is it Jay? That, uh, yeah. that they essentially enforce that, but they ha- do have what they call appellate jurisdiction, right? They can be appealed to, yes. And and therefore they have and jurisdiction in deciding how the law, and that includes the highest law in the land, is interpreted. Correct. It's the three laws. The pre- three branches of government are supposed to be co-equal. The Supreme Court, by tradition, well, is able to declare a law unconstitutional, but they're certainly not the only one that could. What do you mean? Some lower court could? Oh, it's perfectly possible right, sure, for sure. the Congress to say this law will not be enforced, for the president to say I'm not going to enforce this, enforce this they law, do it. the courts to say we're not going to convict under this law. Sure, and that much is true. So the the court de- right. gets to interpret the highest law in the land, and therefore they are – uh, you know that that that's it, they basically they are the the where the 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 verbiage flows down to, and I understand why they're considered to be you know able to declare things unconstitutional it makes perfectly good sense to me, which means that there are nine people who wear black mumus who get to do, interpret this thing, and what you and I say that it says really is irrelevant. Well, uh, Lincoln's use of the of the legal tender law during the Civil War was declared unconstitutional unconstitutional after he was out of office. So there's a federal law saying that uh, Federal Reserve notes are legal tender and they haven't uh, declared them yes. unconstitutional? Correct. So I guess they've reversed themselves like they did with uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, right? <laughs> well, I don't know that it's ever gotten that high. I think it's just been ignored. I, I, why doesn't – why, this, is such, this is the most important issue. Would you agree, Kurt, this is the most important issue I, facing America's future? I agree completely. Why yes. hasn't somebody – why haven't you done something about it? I can't afford to take a case to the Supreme Court. Surely there's, uh, you know, surely you can get together a few people that that agree with you. I think it's the most important thing. I'm willing to throw in a hundred bucks, Kurt. <laughs> right here on on national radio, I'm telling you, you got you got a hundred bucks for me. I'm not saying that's a lot of money, but uh, let's go, man. If you, <laughs> I don't think it would make it. I think the I think the courts right at the bottom would would throw it out as frivolous, saying, "Of course they can do this," and that would be the end of it. Yep. Well, I, th- I think the Constitution is an irrelevant document, and uh, arguing over it or uh, the Draco's laws or anything else are uh, really pointless at this point. I think it's it's sad, but it's true. It's uh, well, it's yeah, like I, it's I, lawless. What I, what I called for, was I know, that it didn't sound like you were getting that legal tender is a legal requirement to receive the money. It's I, not a legal requirement to have to pay it. I can see where people might say that legal tender is not mentioned in section um, section Article One, Section Eight here. I suppose that makes for perfectly good sense, but to me, it's irrelevant because it says that the uh, that the Congress, excuse me, legislative branch has the right to coin mon- money, regulate the value yeah. of money. And you know, right. so in the, other words, make one ounce, make one ounce of silver. You could you could interpret that any way you want. This is a, for a plain well, reading. That's the way they did. That's the way they did it. Uh, that's the way it was done at the time. They regulate they the were, value thereof, which means they get to deci- decide okay. how much an ounce of silver is worth. I guess, um, right. and a foreign coin, and to fix the standards of weights and measurements. And to me, that says that they they have a lot of latitude. They can do whatever they want. True. 
They so. could they could declare uh, a third of an ounce of copper to be a dollar if they wanted to, but it wouldn't change. What's a good word for this? It wouldn't change what people would accept for a third of a dollar or a third of an ounce of copper. Right. They would just charge at more dollars time, for it. At the time, they were using mostly pieces of eight when the Constitution. Mostly was, they were. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. Nobody would accept their stinking uh, colonials. That's for sure. Yeah, we call we call the quarter two bits because it was two parts of a piece of eight. Yes. All right. I appreciate the uh, clarification, Kurt. I don't know that we're any farther down this road, um, but uh, <laughs> thanks very much. Eight five five four five zero free. Let's go to. You get something. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, the government is so uh, bent on people obeying their rules, but they're not even obeying the Constitution. Yeah, it's it's so not new. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, yeah, we're not breaking any news here tonight. <laughs> Let's go to Alex in New Hampshire. Alex, hey guys, what's happening? So I'm a student at the University of New Hampshire, and uh, there was this group that was putting on some type of party on the front lawn in front of the main tower. Okay. And uh, the name of the organization was called Involve America. Okay. And what I did, and I went over to their booth table thing, and this girl came up to me, and she asked me, or uh, and she, you know, she asked me, "Hi, how's it going?" Stuff like that. And here's the conversation that we had. Uh, I said, "So, what are you guys about?" And the girl said, "Well, we're like trying to spread awareness about the economy and stuff." And I replied, "What about the economy? Are you trying to share?" She said. Well, you know how, like, the economy is really down, and there are a lot of problems and stuff? We're trying to spread awareness about it. And I replied, what are the problems? She said, well, uh, we, we have a website, you know, and it has all kind of information, but, uh, like, you know, all the problems with the economy. I replied, <laughs> but what problems specifically? The girl said, well, uh, like unemployment and stuff. I said, oh, I see. And why are problems like unemployment happening? The girl said, uh, you can check out our website, but uh, I don't really know. And I said to her, so much for trying to spread awareness. <laughs> now, I don't know if you guys have ever felt the wrath of a woman scorned before, but I think I got it today. Uh, she, basically, her eyes gave me this look like "f you," yeah, and sure. I started laughing. Uh, I started uh, laughing hysterically at her in in her face. And a public relations guy stepped in, pulled her away, and he started speaking with me. And he was just as ill-informed as her. <laughs> it's you know, it's funny that they're uh, <laughs> that they're sending people out there to learn about the uh, you know to to inform people about the economy that really don't seem to know much about the economy. I I, I don't know that you uh, created any converts today, but um, <laughs> it's it's an amusing <laughs> story. What did uh, this guy have to you know? What did he have to say about uh, the economy? Well, well, what he well, he told me about the organization. All the organization is trying to do is spread awareness of economic problems to people. How the hell do people not know that there are problems with the economy? I don't even know. But what but what I'm saying is, well, what you know, I I'm less interested in that that kind of stuff. What I'm more interested in is what your proposed solution is. Right. And do they offer any? No. 
Wow. They said, Stunning. we don't take any positions. I've got a solution. But, uh, the, moral, the moral of the story is that you shouldn't allow clueless college students to represent you Indeed. in your organization. Thanks, Alex. Solution is uh, the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line. It's the live Friday night edition on Free Talk Live. And this is, you know, this is the show where you can call in and talk about anything you want to talk about. It's interactive that way. The website's interactive, too. Go check out freetalklive.com. You can load stories or blog posts or pictures or whatever you want to upload there. I guess it's actually linking, not uploading. I'm not 100% sure about this whole Internet thing. I think it's a fad anyway. Uh, go check it out at freetalklive.com. Let's go directly to Craig in Florida. Craig? Hey, how you guys? How you doing? It's All's good. well. Hey, listen, um, I was listening to a talk show today, and they were saying that uh, uh, Romney uh, had uh, three deferments to keep himself keep himself from going to Vietnam. Is that true? How would I know? <laughs> no idea. Oh. Okay. Well, I uh, I heard that today. And I said, well, okay. just, just we need another Dick Cheney in office. And I see uh, Wall Street, the crooks on Wall Street are all by, behind Romney. They got, the Wall Street gave him their endorsement. I'm sure. Um, you know, I mean, at this point, they're going to want a guy who's going to manipulate the the marketplace yeah. in in their favor. And he, Romney's certainly going to be willing to uh, to play ball. He played ball uh, with them in Massachusetts. He's going to play ball in with them in uh, the presidency. So uh, that should be very telling in itself. You got all these crooks and shysters on Wall Street, and who they're backing? Romney. I mean, uh, that, that's very telling in itself. Yeah, I uh, can't disagree. I had uh, Mark Levin on for two seconds. That's about all I could take of him. And he says he was saying, I detest Ron Paul. He can't stand the guy. And I'm like, you know, you got the news media, the, the so called liberal news media out there who can't stand Ron Paul. You have Wall Street that doesn't want anything. The crooks on Wall Street, let me say that again. The crooks on Wall Street can't stand Ron Paul. Uh, he. Everybody's all the all the shysters are against Ron Paul, so that tells me that's the guy I should be voting for. I you know I I I can see why it's that case, but I you know these these shysters tend to make the uh, the narrative, as it were, um, and it seems like elections are less about the the will of people and more about a sort of study and human reaction mm-hmm. um, and uh, interaction and things like that, and it, most people seem to not want to vote for the candidate they may think is the best candidate because they don't think that he can win. Yeah, I keep hear I keep they keep throwing that out there all the time and I'm saying, you know, I'm tired of that. Right. Ron Throw, Paul can win that. if people vote for him. Yeah, that that mind control thing. Well, he can't win because of this or because of that. Baloney. Ron Paul 
can win if everybody decides to get behind this guy. And one I thing for certain is, uh, you know, Rick Perry and Michelle Bachman, who are parroting some of Ron Paul's lines. Oh, yeah. Um, I've heard of, yep. They're not telling the truth. So, nope. you know, I think that the American people are going to get what they've always wanted to get um, all along. You can see because they've always gotten it is, you know, some guy who's going to tell them lies or some gal. It doesn't really matter. Some individual who will yeah, tell them yeah. lies. And a pretty face. Yep. And they can, you know, they can, oh, good, some lies to listen to. That's what we expect from our politicians. We hate them. They tell lies. Well, you know, uh, if you go back to Ron Paul 20 years ago and listen to everything he said since then, nothing's changed. It's consistent. Some of the things have changed over time. He's not. uh, He's he's softened his line on uh, gays. Uh, There was a time in twenty years ago when he was associated to some extent with uh, you know people who had less than savory opinions regarding uh, you know people of certain ethnicities. Um, So he has uh, divested himself of that uh, rhetoric and gotten away from those people. He didn't say those things himself, by the way, Uh, but he's gotten away from people that are saying that rhetoric. I guess that's a good thing, and I'm willing to forgive, um, no doubt. Out, but it, you know, it's it's a, it's an ugly smear. If you go on the internet and look up all the flip flops on a Romney, it's, sure. it's enough to make your hair stand on. Absolutely. End. You think uh, uh, Ron Paul is going to make use of the uh, internet and whatnot like uh, Obama did? Remember, he did a lot. I, of- I'm not, frankly, I'm not. Um, I I don't. Tr- I trust the the people. Ron Paul's uh, the the people that support Ron Paul. Ron Paul's supporters far more than I trust Ron Paul's campaign. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to do a lot better than they did in 2008. I certainly hope so. I want you know Ron Paul to win, no doubt about it. But I is, don't is know. Is there anybody in his campaign that is trying to undermine him? You know, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. How I would? I have no idea. Um, I'm not. You know, into his campaign. I just think that. You know that the the normal way that a campaign would be run is going to have to be different than how Ron Paul's campaign is going to be run because Ron Paul isn't a normal candidate, and so they you know they they're going to have to think outside the box. They're going to have to do things differently. And I don't, I I, I they they did things wrong the last time in my opinion, and I don't know if they're going to do it better this time. I sincerely hope they do. Maybe they've got some better folks in there. I know nothing about his campaign. I know that his supporters support him because they believe they 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 know that he's a guy that has been consistent all along he has the messages of peace freedom and personal responsibility nailed down and uh you know that that's the reason they want him i love the fact that he's getting all kinds of uh good results in these polls i hope that that uh, speaks well of how he's going to do i don't know how are we how are we making out on the? Uh, I just turned turned you on a little bit. How, how are we making out with the Gibson guitar issue? Uh, I've got uh, I've actually got somebody uh, looking into it. Maybe able to get uh, somebody from Gibson on to talk about it. But um, I, I hope you can get the CEO on there. <laughs> I could see they're a little upset. Who's upset? Uh, it's, it's Gibson. Well, yeah, I guess I would be too, wouldn't you? Uh, absolutely. They, they 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 confiscated a lot of the wood and they and uh, I, now has this slowed down their business any? I like once again. I don't know. I mean, it's got to be diff- very difficult when they <laughs> confiscate your raw materials. It's going to affect your business down the line. They probably have plenty of guitars made at this point, but uh, it's going to affect what they're making I- into the future. Uh, what they're probably going to do is drive them offshore. Yeah, well, that's probably what they're. And I heard there was a statement made by one of the agents saying that we, you can, we can make this all go away if you go offshore. Isn't that great? You know, is, is that true? Is that true? That statement was said. I, I have no once idea. again, I, <laughs> I just yeah, I sit here that. and do a little radio show, man. Yeah, I wouldn't I, propose to tell you. 
Yeah, that's what I heard. I'm, and I, uh, there was something that was said to that, that extent that you guys go offshore and all your trouble will go away. So, you know, uh, nothing, you know, here we are complaining about no jobs, and here the government is trying to put uh, extra people out of work. Yep. It just, just blows my mind. Indeed. It really does. But we've, we've become a police state. And, and it doesn't being, seem like it's going to turn around anytime soon, does it? No, I don't think it is. And that, yeah. Now they're talking about, I think a couple of municipalities are already doing it. Now they're conditioning you to be, they're going to be started putting uh, drones all over the place, flying yeah. all over for your your so-called protection. Some of those Before drones you know it, are helicopter else. drones that are going to be armed with either tasers or bullets. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, for American cities? Uh, but they won't be up in the sky. These are these would be uh, these would be helicopter drones that police would use in certain instances. But certain instances, yeah, whatever instances then, then, then they we choose. Escalate it later on until it would be permanently over your house, right? Indeed, right. That's how it goes. Uh, uh, I'll tell you. All right, guys, keep up the good work. Enjoy your show. Thanks, Craig. Bye. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Jason, you're you're one of the the non-voting crowd. What do you think when uh, What do you think when people talk about uh, Ron Paul and his campaign and getting excited about it and stuff like that? Because I mean, it seems to be the all people. A lot of people are all a Twitter about it. Okay, well, uh, I guess probably most people have opinions on uh, on Ron Paul and including myself, but I don't know if we want a libertarian, quote unquote, to hold the bag as the nation fails. And the nation is certainly failing and so, you know, Obama's elected, you know, hey, our first black president. Um and <laughs> so you don't want him to hold the bag, but if a libertarian's in power and the country goes to a heck then you can blame it all on his laissez-faire policies, and that we it's need more, and that we need more state. We need more government involvement. And I, right? I mean, Ron Paul is really not going to have much power in the area of of, of economics. I mean, he'll get to point. I, I think he gets to appoint the Fed chairman to some extent. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 as I as I understand it, the only power Ron Paul would have would be over sort of foreign policy. That's what the presidency really is about: is foreign policy. And, um, you know, they, of course, have all those advisors. That's why people who are governors who have known nothing about foreign policy, you know, say, I can handle this. Well, yeah, that's because somebody who calls themselves an expert says they can handle it. Um, and he might be able to pardon some, uh, you know, nonviolent drug offenders. But that's really it. He wouldn't um, be able to change the economic situation, I don't think, too much. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know By why himself. anybody would want that job, including Ron Paul. It yeah. seems thankless. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Incentives matter. Professor Angela Dills explains the incentives help economists predict individual behavior. 
what's difficult is determining all the ways that a policy affects people's incentives and changes people's behavior. A good economist looks at not only the obvious incentives created by a policy, but also the less obvious effects. This really gives you a clear picture on the unintended consequences that result every time a uh, monopolistic government organization decides to pass down some arbitrary edict. It's a great video. And uh, actually, Angela Dills is uh, pretty pretty nice on the eyes, too. Um, you can go check out this video and many more at learnliberty.org slash FTL. I picked these out myself uh, because I think that they're, they, they lay a foundation for people to understand the ideas of liberty. Learnliberty.org slash FTL. Check out the Liberty Academy link on the right-hand side. It is a course for people who want free online continuing education, economics, philosophy, liberty, and rights. Learnliberty.org slash FTL. This is Mark and Jason. Let's go to the this live Friday uh, edition of Free Talk Live. Let's go to Steve calling from Washington. Steve, why hello? How's hey, it going? Steve. Hey, uh, it's going pretty well. You know, um, you mentioned the Ron Paul um, racist newsletters. I mean, that's the that was the big issue in the uh, last election. It hasn't really materialize so much this election yep for whatever reason but i I guarantee it will if uh if ron paul is the republican nominee against obama i guarantee it will yes for sure um i I just wanted to say that um i was born in florida in a rural part of florida uh so it wasn't disneyland or miami and um my family (laughs) by rayford or something (laughs) no well it's actually west of orlando It's, it's the town has now actually been absorbed by orlando so it's part of Orlando, but when I was growing up, we were about probably a good 20 or 30-minute drive from Orlando. Okay. Um, but um, anyway, my family was uh, from Georgia, and my family in the um, in the mid-1800s, they owned more slaves than uh, any other family in Georgia except for one. It's they quite owned a over distinction. 300 slaves. Yeah, and, um, and they were absolutely impoverished by the Civil War. So you can imagine what sort of racial attitudes I was brought up uh, to to believe, and um, and what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that I was essentially brought up to be a racist, and in fact probably would have openly considered myself at least subtly racist until I was uh, in my late teens. Um, I was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I, I was I wasn't anything like KKK or anything like that. Uh, but I was more like sort of an Archie Bunker, you know, where mm-hmm. I, I tried to be more humorous about it. But but certainly under, underneath there was a uh, at least a feeling that I was superior to uh, people of different colors. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm never nervous when I call up, but I'm nervous talking about this because it's I, sort yeah, of like feeling. You're really laying skin, your soul you know? out here, and um, exactly. I can appreciate it. Yeah. I've got to say that you know just just briefly, I've got to say it's not like I've never had these ideas myself. Um, you know, uh-huh. and, and I think a lot of people have uh, have struggled through them, and that that that's all that one can ask is that one. You know, start looking at information and come to you know come to the conclusions uh, of mm-hmm. that people are equal, or at least people are people right. are uh, people have rights. I guess is uh, that all people have uh, the same rights. I don't know that people are necessarily equal. Go on. Right. Um, and and what happened was uh, when I got to be about twenty twenty one or so, I was in a band. I, I used to work in bands, and I was in a band, and uh, the, we hired a new bass player, and uh, he was half black. Okay. And uh, he had friends who were black, and and uh, I started becoming friends with some of his friends. And I would always say, "Oh yeah, my 
he's my black friend, or I would think it, you know, oh, he's right. my black friend. And then at some point, they stopped being my black friend and just started being my friends. And I realized, you know, I, I just can't, I, I never did hate black people, but I, I couldn't bring myself to even think that I was any in any sense above them, you know, or superior to them. Uh, and, and I have family that are still extremely racist. Yeah, uh, it's really tough. Just- to hang out with, um, you know, with with, you know, people you like that happen to be of a different color, and yeah. still hold on to racist ideas. Somehow, some right. people t- t- can still do it. It's amazing, but um, you know, it's it, it makes it a lot harder. I find it hard to right, hang out with. Sure. I find it hard to hang out with racist because um, if they say something racist, I would have to always correct them because I would feel very uneasy with a racist comment being made and me not being one of the people to speak out. Do you guys feel the same yeah. way? I, oh yeah, for sure. I'm sometimes ashamed um, that I don't, you know, at time there there are times that I have and there are times that I have not. And yeah. um it 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 brings upon me a deep feeling of shame when I don't address uh, those issues or I skirt it. Sometimes I'll skirt it, you know, and and like say something that's like half you know, halfway addressing it and not fully addressing it. And I, I don't know what the best way to handle it because I don't know that, that, that straight on confrontation is always the best way to handle these things. I don't know that. And yeah. I'm interested in talking about what the best, best ways to handle these issues, but it makes me feel deeply ashamed when I don't say something. I, I absolutely feel the exact same way. In fact, you're the first person I've ever met that said exactly what I've been thinking all these years. Now, as it stands right now, I have a friend. I've had this a good friend named Trey, uh, who's a very large black bodybuilder guy. And we were eating together. Well, I was eating at work, and he came in, and they had watermelon. And he's a bodybuilder. He's always looking for a low-glycemic carbohydrate. And there was watermelon there. And I said, said, hey, Trey, there's watermelon over there. Uh, If you want some, it's real good. And then it occurred to me, you know, somebody in in the area (laughs) probably thought that that was some kind of racist Thing. And then I told him later <laughs> that I thought that he kind of chuckled and I said, you know what, Trey, I want to live in a world where a white man can offer a black man a piece of watermelon and not have it be perceived as being racist. Indeed. You know, I, something similar happened to me. I was we were watching a video game. My friend, my, my best friend is uh, half black like your, um, your friend was. And they in the video game, it was supposed to be very realistic. It's gang violence. And they referred to one gang was, uh, you know, white. English guys and the other gang was uh, black Jamaican English guys or something like that and they referred to the one gang referred to the other gang as a bunch of uh, gorillas or monkeys or baboons or something like that and I'm like completely floored like I'm, oh I feel terrible about this and you know my friend just kind of chuckles it off like it's nothing so you yeah, know yeah. it's it's interesting well, so where were you going with this Steve? Well, the, the whole bottom line uh, is that let's say that the worst-case scenario about Ron Paul, bringing it back to Ron Paul, let's say the worst-case scenario was true, and, in fact, he was racist and that he had heartily approved of the uh, verbiage in those uh, uh, infamous newsletters. Right. Uh, he's clearly, in my view, not racist now. In fact, the president of the, of the NAACP said he's known Ron Paul for 22 years and doesn't believe that he's racist. And that's good yeah. enough for me. Yeah, you know, um, this could be handled relatively quickly. There certainly will be some of this uh, stuff come out um, when the when the time comes, if, if Ron uh, Paul is the nominee. But this is going to be handled very easily. Um, if the Ron Paul campaign puts out a commercial where Ron Paul is kissing a black baby right there yeah, in the face, yep. that handles well, I, I that issue. My, 
my bottom line is that I can forgive the guy if the worst case is true. I can forgive him. Yeah, and we don't even know what the case is, but I, I agree with you. I can I can certainly right. forgive that. I, um, you know, not that my forgiveness really means much to people. Steve, thanks for the call. Right. 855-450-3733, Free Talk Live. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, SACL toll-free call-in line on Free Talk Live's Live Friday edition. It's Mark with you. And Jason. You know that cigarettes could likely kill you. You've probably been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try. It's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will already, by switching to the e-cigarette, save about $120 a month. So you'll start being richer, feeling better, and smelling better immediately. How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. And remember that this uh, vaporizer from Vaporsmiths is one of the premier uh, made, best made vaporizers uh, available in the market. And you'll get free shipping um, since the order is uh, $60 or more. It's uh, actually $69, I believe, um, or $69.99 or something like that. Get the 40 cartomizers. Get the free starter kit. Buy the 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Get the free starter kit. Get free shipping at Vaporsmiths.com. Call 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com, 855-2-GET-VAPOR. Let's go to Kevin in Indianapolis. Kevin. Hey, I want to bring this show down and talk about derivatives. Derivatives? Great. I don't know that much about them. Well, I can give you my little bit of knowledge, and that's, of course, that's dangerous, but we can get into it a little bit here. And tied in today with Freddie and uh, uh, the other loan company from the government. Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae, thank you. I had a little mind block there. Uh, they're going after the banks, of course, that uh, put out the derivatives and the other. And there's a movie called Inside Job that explains everything. I've watched it like 15 times, and every time you watch it, you learn something. You're not obsessed. Well, it's awesome, though. It's awesome. I mean, it really is. It explains everything that happened. In fact, I had a loan, a bank loan, that was fraudulent. And uh, luckily for me, uh, there was a flood in my area. The home was destroyed, and my home was paid off, and I didn't have to go through all that. But my home was absolutely overvalued. It was fraudulent. I received all this money. It was so easy to get the money. And it all started with the derivatives, because what happened was, uh, bank A would sell, and then it all started with deregulation. And I know you guys are in favor of deregulation, but in this case, with deregulation, it's what opened the tsunami of, and has ruined our economy to the tune it's, of the company, the six hundred trillion. Right, it's, it's a dangerous uh, term because if you, al- it depends on who you allow to deregulate. Um, by deregulation, I mean that no man should have uh, control over another man's existence. Whereas what these people mean is, let's get rid of the uh, whatever laws might, um, you know, prevent us from acting in felonious and uh, and um, evil ways. Uh, so you know. 
it's such a confusing system because you started the conversation by talking about uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which are uh, which were created by the government. So uh, you would think if the government created them, then they would regulate them fully, right? I mean, what kind of regulation are you talking about? Well, here's what happened. The government um, is relying on all these financial experts, and then they, they – instead of it where you go to your local bank, they give you the loan, and in 30 years you pay it off, and they, they, it's their money they're investing. Uh, and so they're going to they're, they're scrutinize you and make sure you're credit worthy. Well, Bank A sold the loan – or gave you the loan, then they sold it to Bank B, who sold it to Bank C, who sold it to Bank B, D. But all the time, AIG is selling them insurance if the loan fails – Everybody gets paid off. So it was a huge Ponzi scheme, and then everybody at the top of all these companies, Learman, um, you know, all of them, Gold Sackman, et cetera, they were the ones that were in the government then making all the money. In fact, the one guy who was in charge of everything at the end had been promoted by, by, Bush, one, by Bush two, and his dad put a law through that if he sold all his stock, which he did, $450 million, he wouldn't have to pay any tax, and he saved $50 million bucks. And he's the guy at the end is also telling AIG they're going to get dollar for dollar. So it was the fox guarding the hen house, and it was just a nightmare, and everybody gets paid off, and finally it all collapsed, and the government comes in and bails them all out. So what's the name of this movie again? Inside Job. and narrated by Matt Damon. It starts off in Iceland. It goes from the micro, and it shows how Iceland was a beautiful country. They got sucked up in all this and borrowed $200 billion dollars which was uh, you know, 10 times their net worth, right. and it ruined their country. And it goes from that into the – and it gets, I mean, it's two hours, and it moves, and it's unbelievable. It explains it all. And then you've got uh, the uh, congressman from New York, Bernie. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Uh, uh, Bernie Frank. Frank, right? I'm sorry. Duh. Yes, yes. And he's like, well, what about these guys? Did they ever tell you they were sorry that they did this? And he says, "I don't hear confessions." What do you, he needs to confess. He was in charge of the uh, the, the was, Senate committees. Yeah, he, he is just, totally culpable. He, he's, he in he's in a relationship. He's in a relationship with somebody that works at um, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac in a high level position. I mean, and he was telling people, um, you know, just before the collapse happened, the bubble burst, that oh no, the markets are fine. Um, he gets a lot of the blame. Bush gets a lot of the blame because he was campaigning. Yeah, it's the government that he, did this. He was campaigning um, for all the home loans. You know, look look how great it is. So many people are owning their own homes in America and totally talking it up. And, you know, people thought that there was no way they could lose money on their homes. And a lot of people did and are. And you know what they said about poors and all the companies that raided everybody? This, is, this goes back now to the deficit problem we've been having. They said in the movie – and all the experts from all these companies, the rating companies, said, oh, well, that's just our opinion. It doesn't really mean anything. Well, if it doesn't really mean anything, why do we care whether your rate is triple A or triple double B or whatever? Well, cause they, it's just amazing. Yeah, they have a reputation that they you know need to maintain with uh, predicting things well. And uh, so if they don't make good uh, predictions and economic models, then you know they're not in business anymore. At least they shouldn't be. Kevin, thanks for the call. Let's go to Frank in New York. Frank? Good evening. Yeah, I wanted to say that two things. Well, you know, with um, Ron Paul, I mean, he's always been a straight arrow. And uh, even, you know, before he was in medical school, when he was working on his family's dairy farm in Butler, Pennsylvania, you know, he was uh, had friends that were black. He had, you know, friends of all uh, all in the community up there. You know, that was at the time a very rural area. And uh 
you know, he's a, a 33rd degree Mason, and, you know, you can't get up that high if you're prejudiced. I mean, you know, you have to know, I mean, you understand that, you know, everyone, you know, is a child of the Creator, and everyone has value. And that's why it's sort of ridiculous, you know, making racist claims, you know, against Ron Paul. I mean, you have to admit, my critique of Ron Paul is for all his years in Congress, he authored, you know, very little legislation. Why would he write it, though? He's not going to get any of it passed. I mean, people don't... The point don't... is, in our system, you know, you write legislation uh, because that contains the regulations. And in a sense, you know, he's, he's a very good and a very articulate spokesperson for the, you know, common man. Well, let me, we let me just jump in. in. Congress. We don't have that in Congress. I mean, he's essential. And I think, you know, people have to dismiss you know, these character attacks on him. I mean, one thing about him, he's a straight shooter, and, you know, he's articulate, and he's smart, and that's more than most of the members of Congress. Okay, then, then why in a newsletter that had his name on it, why would he publish um, remarks that uh, seem pretty clearly racist if he's such an articulate uh, uh, you know, spokesperson See, and you a good know, politician? What's interesting with Ron Paul, you don't know. I mean, there's a thing called the Daily Paul that 90% of the people think that's Ron Paul's website, but it isn't. And I think you're going to have to find out who actually did this. Is it a smear thing? Is it really a Ron Paul? It was thing his or newsletter. Not? Well, he claimed because, to have not. Uh, anyone can do a newsletter. I'm sorry. Anyone today with the internet can do a newsletter and you know put things in it or. No, yeah, but he he produced it. it. Had his name on it. It and was he certainly wrote his in newsletter. It. But uh, you know, I can imagine. I can totally imagine what he says is true. That he didn't look at it, and he has apologized for the content. And for me, that's you know, that's it's good and. It's good enough. Um, you know, yeah. I, well, I'm not like the one I who's said, offended too, we'll by it, though. We'll have to read more about it. We'll have to actually read the articles and look at it. I've and do at that. It. And, you know, it's not uncommon. Let's be honest. I mean, one thing about Ron Paul, he's a challenge to the corporate banking financial status elite, and that's why they're afraid of him, especially with his, you know, audit the Fed and, you know, the different things he's been involved with. So it wouldn't surprise me if maybe there's someone in one of his organizations that's sort of like, you know, uh, what Donald Segretti would say, you know, during the Nixon White House thing, you know, you go in there and you rat F the thing. And basically, they're in there to sort of like sabotage and do a little bit of dirty tricks, I think Nixon called it. I yes. suppose. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. Hello, my friends, and welcome to a 30-second edition of Verbal Surgery. I'm your verbal surgeon, Tim A. Cummins, here to radiate your brain for maximum gain. And let me tell you, my friends, get on to the verbalsurgery.com train. Come check it out. Listen to this podcast, and you will feel better right now because you are awesome. Looking forward to seeing you at verbalsurgery.com. Take it easy, baby. Awesome. Bitcoins. You can buy them and you can sell them. They're a great little commodity. You can accept them for your own products and services. But what do you do once you have them? Why you spend them, of course. SpendBitcoins.com allows you to spend them all in one place. From SpendBitcoins.com, you can spend your Bitcoins at major online retailers such as Amazon, Fishpond, Barnes & Noble, memory dealers, and more. When you want to spend Bitcoins, go to SpendBitcoins.com. Free Talk Live, 
855-450 free. That's the SACL toll-free call in line here on Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Might be able to might maybe maybe be able to slip your call in. Let's go to Ryan in Texas. Ryan. Hello guys, how are y'all? All's well. Hey. Hey, I really enjoy your show. Listen to it all the time. However, tonight, Mr. WikiLeaks was not in that firefight, and I don't really, really understand, you know, these people are not like us. They're I think that was coming. Which, which people? They're going to themselves. I've seen it too many times. Which people are you referring to? Which, which people aren't like us? I'm sorry. Which people are not like us? The enemy. Whenever we fight somebody. Okay, but let's recap about Isn't what... Isn't the enemy who the government tells you it is? Negative, sir. It's the guy that's, that's pointing the gun at you. Why do you suppose people in Iraq were pointing guns at people from the United States? Well, let's recap sir, about... I'm not uh, a politician. Let's recap. I'll tell you because the United States was in their freaking country. What would you be doing with a gun if you saw red uh, red Chinese uh, taking over your country? And we can have this conversation. What would you be? I'm a marine. What would you be doing? You're a marine now. Retired. Once a marine, always a marine. Okay. Um, What would you do with a with a fully automatic weapon you had if uh, there were Chicoms in the streets of the United States taking over the country? First of all, in our arsenal. Soldiers do not carry fully automatic weapons. They carry three shot or three round burst. Then you have your guy that's on your modus or your BAR. You know, and they're fully automatic. Okay. All right. The average, the average marine, the average soldier is, is that we're not walking around with automatic. I guess you weapons. win. It's completely justifiable. Yeah, let's, let's shoot the uh, camel jockeys. I don't think we need to talk about the minutia. What we All need right, to talk about up. is what Control the. Your emotions and don't put words into there are people being shot and killed and you don't want me to be emotional about it five five kids under the age of five were shot with wearing handcuffs and you don't want me to be wait just a second i'm addressing what you said emotion sir wait one second and i will tell you there were five kids handcuffed and shot in the head by united states military personnel and you don't want me to be emotional were you there look Wait, That's what the investigation so, says. So give, give me some kind of justification. Does it matter? What, under what conditions does a five-year-old with handcuffs there. on be shot in the head, sir? I was there. That didn't happen. The, look, the kids were found with handcuffs on, with bullets in their heads, in a burned-out right. house. When the gomer comes in there... They, what was the town? They find this stuff, what was the town? They, they, put handcuffs, they put handcuffs on these people. What was they the town? this kind of... Sir. What was the name of the town that this occurred in? Sir, yes. some of that stuff still classified. It was in the I article cannot, that I read, and you aren't saying it because that. you weren't really there. Sir, I've been to Mogadishu. I went to... The article sir, wasn't about Mogadishu. Mogadishu. I realize that. Okay. But, hey, look, we're on the same team here. <laughs> if you're on the team if you're on the team that shoots kids in the head point. who are handcuffed, you're not on the same team with me. Yeah, that's not my team. I want to make that clear. Yeah, the United States military is not my team. Back up. Okay? Excuse me? Control your emotions and let's finish this conversation. Okay, let's do it. Here's the deal. I agree with just about everything you say. I know. When you, when you blanket the statement that 
moms and dads, when you send your kids to the armed services, that something happens to their minds, yeah. See, the, the Air Force, you know, you gain a career, learn something. The Navy, you learn a trade. The Army, well, you're an Army of one. You build personal development. But the reason you sign up to go to the Marine Corps is because you know that there is a there is something much greater than you'll ever know. What it, is it? It's something in your soul, something in your body that tells you that somebody has to guard the people in this country. By shooting <laughs> children in the head. Sir, that didn't happen. It did happen. I mean, there's Marines evidence here. Now, what, what, what about the, uh, the video that was uh, plain Marines as day that launched uh, WikiLeaks? That's how WikiLeaks became on everybody's radar, and it was uh, the helicopter shooting into a minivan uh, full of people. It killed, you, uh, killed a seven-year-old kid there. Yeah, um, that, that did happen, so do you have any opinion on that? No, I'm, I'm not privy to that. That, uh, it's it's called deal. collateral murder. You can look it up online. It's very easy to see it. It's it's really shocking, especially if you get to see the whole thing. You can see the uh, U.S. military man his, uh, holding the body of the uh, dying child in his arms. Um, it's it's really shocking stuff. Ryan, thanks for the call. Things happen. <laughs> things, things happen. That's U.S. Happen. foreign policy. That's their their slogan. Right. Things happen. You know, and I I understand. If I were in those situations, I might be fi- shooting back at somebody who was shooting at me. But that doesn't make going over there okay. Yeah. Let's go to Benjamin in California. Benjamin? Hey, guys. Hey, Ben. I thought I'd um, pass along something um, uh, that I found really handy. Uh, If you're an activist out there and and you're ever found in a position or you think you're going to be in a position where your phone might be taken from you as as evidence or or whatever is made up, um, if you get Google Voice um, or use Google Voice, it can make it so that uh, not having your phone is much easier to deal with. I saw I saw you post about that on Facebook, and I think that's a, a, a nice uh, answer. I use Google Voice for everything right now, anyway. Um, so yeah, I could just go to a web browser and check my messages if my phone had been confiscated. Or you can right? route your uh, phones uh, f- phone calls to another uh, thing. So, for instance, if I lose my cell phone, um, I still get my calls on my home phone. Mm-hmm. Right, and I've because I was thinking about it, uh, you know, dealing without my cell phone. Because somebody's saying, "Well, why don't you just get a new cell phone?" And I thought to myself. That's uh, a lot of hassle, and, and plus I'm still getting my calls, mm-hmm. and I'm still getting my messages. I haven't, I mean, it's been difficult, and, and you know, obviously having a cell phone is, and, and having it mobile is What nice. do you think about uh, right. giving one of the largest corporations in the world your um, control of, uh, you know, this, this valuable information about you, this valuable and personal information about yourself? You know, I'm not really freaked out that much by Google. Um, as far as I'm concerned, they just gather so much information that uh, I, I feel like, you know, you get lost in the mix, and so it's just going to be some kind of, you know, uh, computer program, you know, searching through stuff for keywords that give you better advertising. Um, there was an incident where Google um, showed the I think Center for Disease Control that they could predict a flu outbreak before the anybody else could. And they were successful in doing so. I don't know in what strange way they went about doing this, but they they did it. And so, you know, to me, and and they also worked with the Chinese government at the same time. And I find these things disturbing. I generally feel like you do, that it's not that big of a deal, but I find them disturbing. Well, obviously they have the potential for, you know, great harm or whatever. But uh, at at the moment, 
I don't see that as a big deal. And if uh, I don't want something to be known about me, I don't put it anywhere near an electronic device or, you know, don't communicate it over anything except, you know, word to mouth to mouth. Don't put your social security number on the Internet at all. (laughs) Right. So I I just I, I, I thought about this and I thought to myself, you know, activists should definitely have Google Voice because it, it can prevent a lot of hassle in the future. For gotcha. You. Ben, thanks for the call. You know, uh, Jason, we were talking to the uh, the Marine there, and, um, you know, he suggested that, uh, you know, I was wrong in saying that uh, parents, if you send your kids off to war, that something's going to happen to them and to their minds. And, you know, it, what it draws up in my mind is the situation where more uh, military personnel are killed from suicide than they are from battlefield deaths. Mm -hmm. And to me, what that says is that absolutely something's going on in their mind, whether it's PTSD. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm no psychiatrist. I'm not going to tell you whether it's PTSD or not. I do know that they have a great, they deal with a great deal of that. And that is what this generation of uh, military people are going to deal with. They're not going to deal with uh, the deaths the pointless deaths that so many generations have dealt with. They're going to deal with the blown off body parts and the minds that are, um, you know, damaged by the, the things that they've seen. The idea that, um, uh, that, that for whatever reason, you know, this person, these, these people were being Marines uh, means that they would never, um, you know, kill the, these, this, this, uh, this, this family. And, um, Ishaki was where this actually was. That's why I asked that gentleman. He said it's classified. This is, you know, if it's not classified, if it's in the raw story, or if it was, it's no longer classified. Um, you know, it's out there in the, uh, it's in the, it's in the news environment. It may be classified, but it's in the news environment. So, you know, I don't. It doesn't say anywhere in here that these were Marines. He say that they're soldiers, um, and soldiers to me generally means army. But you know, that, that would be just the the inter military rivalry where you know they always say you know well that group they're not as good well we talked about it earlier in the show and we had one person call in try to justify why it was okay to shoot children who were handcuffed free talk live it's mark and jason <laughs> 